0: Welcome to the Detox Diaries podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Gwena, certified holistic health coach and detox enthusiast, and I'm here to talk all things detox. Toxins exist in our lives in many forms, from the foods we eat, products we use, people we spend time with, and even the thoughts in our heads. Here we discuss how various toxins may be sapping our energy and vitality, and how we can detox to create a life we love. Each week, we'll discuss everything from nutrition, clean beauty, body image, stress management techniques, career and business, relationships, you name it. Whether it's with a guest or just yours truly, we'll get real, raw, and honest and provide tangible tips to detox all areas of our lives. If you're ready to step into the most vibrant version of you, let's get started.
1: We cannot expect someone else to read our mind but we can read our own mind and let's give to ourselves what it is that we are looking for. And then through that, that um, pouring into ourselves, we are able to give to others.
0: Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Detox Diaries podcast. This week, I'm chatting with Leslie Davis. She is an Amazon best-selling author and a shining example of how it's never too late to change your life. At 50 years old, Leslie decided it was time to make a change. She's lost and kept off a hundred pounds, written five books, and has built a life that she loves. She's truly an inspiration and she shares so much helpful wisdom. You know, I love my takeaways. It was hard for me to not just have like 15, <laughs> and narrow them down. We chat about the benefits of joining a community, the key to lasting change and self-acceptance, the trick to setting boundaries so they actually stick. Stitching toxic people, and how to figure out what it is that you really want. I just want to let you know in advance that the audio on Leslie's slide is a bit louder than me, so it might be a little jarring at first, but hopefully it's you can still get into the episode and still enjoy it so much because there are so many great tidbits in this one. So without further ado, let's get into it. Hi, Leslie. Welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you here, and I would love to kick it off by you talking about your story and what brings you to doing what you do now.
1: Well, Nicole, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be talking to you. Um, I, I guess to begin, if you go back about to 2015, uh, my life was heading in a really, really bad direction. And I came to the recognition that I could make one of two choices. I could either keep going the way that I was going, or I could make a decision to do something different. And so I was weighing my options and I said, okay, I could either keep going where I'm going, keep getting more of the same thing, or I can get healthy mentally, physically, and emotionally. And so I made the decision to get healthy mentally, physically, and emotionally. And um, I tell people now that if I would have known how hard it was going to be, I don't know that I would have gone on the journey. But I did, because I did not know. And along the way, the things that I learned were, first of all, I didn't have any boundaries. I had no boundaries with myself. I had no boundaries with other people. And as a consequence of that, what I came to discover is I thought that nobody loved me. And as I continued to do the work, what I came to realize is the only person who didn't love me was me. But I also, in recognizing that I didn't have the boundaries with myself, I realized that I was allowing the people around me to treat me badly because I was treating myself badly anyway. And we teach other people how to treat us. So through the process of not just doing that, but learning how to eat, learning, you know, the good food choices and things like this. And you're a health coach. So, you you know, you talk about this all day long. So I don't need to, you know, go down that road too far. But I came to understand portion control and, you know, food choices and balancing your diet and all that kind of stuff. And as a consequence, but especially as a consequence of the emotional mental work that I did, I was able to not only lose, but keep off almost 100 pounds, um, and through that process, through that time, not only did I shed almost hundred pounds, but I started shedding people and stuff in my life that were not serving me well. And since your topic primarily is detox, I can put it in that framework. I was shedding the people that were toxic in my life. I was detoxing myself from people that were not Helping me be the best version of myself. I was detoxing myself from the stuff, the thoughts, the ideas, the beliefs in my life that were not serving my best self. And so I love listening to what your message is.
0: Well, thank you so much and congratulations. I mean, wow, what a huge undertaking the weight loss, but more so, honestly, everything else like just really reevaluating your life and loving yourself which is something that sounds so basic but something that many people struggle with. So I would like to backtrack a little bit and I'm just wondering you said there was a point like a turning point where you decided that you needed to make a change. Was it like a specific instance like what was kind of that breaking point where you're like I, I have to do something different.
1: Oh, it's interesting. I call it what I what what I call it is a I hit a wash rinse repeat cycle. Because um, over well now it's 38 years this year, 38 years ago, my mother died two weeks before my oldest child was born. Okay, so I never grieved her death. Well, in 2015, my father died, and my oldest child, the child that had been born two weeks after my mother died, he and his wife decided they didn't want to have a relationship with me for whatever reason. Okay. Um, And they were about to have a child would been my first grandchild. So I was sent spiraling back to a time where I hadn't dealt with the emotions, the, the feelings, hadn't been able to process the grief. And a lot of that comes with a lot of other baggage. So I was heading into a place where it was very dark. So yes, I mean, there was a moment, there was an instance. And to be very, very honest, the only thing that kept me from not making the choice to get healthy mentally, physically, and emotionally was visualizing my own three children being in the place that myself and my five siblings had been, which was without a mother at a very young age.
0: Yeah. Thank you for sharing that and being so honest. And I'm so sad, mm-hmm. so sorry that you went through that. But I mean, that is honestly such a awakening moment for you to see exactly that, that you want different for your life. And obviously you're so much better for making that decision. And I think probably again, so many people hit a crossroads like that and still don't decide to change. And like you said, you didn't quite know how hard it would be. And you're not sure if you would have done it again. So thank God you did it. But what was it that like kept you going through that process and kind of how did you get started? Because I think for most people, that is the hardest part. It's like, it just feels so overwhelming and big to change. So is there like, like, what was that first next step that you took?
1: Well, the first next step that I took was something that I thought was going to be so super simple. And that was to try and get my weight under control. And so what I ended up doing was joining Weight Watchers. Um, Well, actually, let me back up just a smidge. Um, I was struggling so badly. And I was talking to one of my sisters, my youngest sister is a counselor, and she works with addicts and people who are struggling with grief. And she recommended that I go to Al-Anon. Well, Al-Anon did nothing for me. But I found adult children of alcoholics, ACA, which also focuses on dysfunctional families. And I started feeling or hearing stories that I was like, oh, Okay, you know, that's my thought. That's my experience. So I started feeling as if I wasn't crazy. Now, my kids will tell you otherwise they'll tell you I'm crazy. But I started feeling as if I wasn't crazy. But the first big step or first real tiny step that I took on moving forward was to uh, start working on my weight. And what I uncovered as I started working on my weight was I was writing down the foods that I was eating And I started recognizing when I was eating stuff that I hadn't planned on eating or when I was making choices that I really hadn't planned on making. And I started realizing that emotions and feelings and all those thoughts were coming up. And that was kind of an aha moment. I was like, oh, my gosh these thoughts these feelings i've been shoving down and stuffing into a box or shoving down the stairs you live in new york so you guys have cellars we don't um so you know you've got the cellars they're very dark stairs you've got a door you gotta lock it right so i started visualizing that all these feelings and emotions and thoughts and all this were down that cellar and i had about 25 padlocks on the door and if i forgot to lock one lock they would all come flying out and I started realizing that I was eating to stop the pain. And that was where I got the first inkling that I was filling what I came to call a myself-sized hole in my heart. I was filling it with food instead of filling it with love. Because I didn't believe that I was lovable. I didn't believe I was worthy. So it's really the first small step that put me moving forward was Writing down, recording what I was eating, becoming aware of the thoughts and the feelings that I was having when I went off plan. And then the next thing that I started doing was forgiving myself. So when I would go off plan, I would say, you know what? This is what was going on. I forgive myself for doing that because, you know, we're learning, we're practicing, we're not struggling for perfection, we're just trying to make progress. I forgive you. Let's pick up. Let's move on. Next time we'll do something different. And then I drop it and move forward.
0: That in and of itself is it's something that I talk to my clients about so often because we're in this constant cycle of beating ourselves up and not just moving past it. So I love that you decided to do that straight away. And what was the impact of having that perspective? Well,
1: it became okay to make mistakes, and I also started looking at vocabulary. Um, A lot of people will use, especially if they're trying to lose weight, they'll use, you know, I made a bad choice, I cheated, I had a cheat day, I had a cheat week, I had a cheat month, I had, you know, all these, all these negative connotations, or I should have done such and such, or I blew it. So, you know what, so I started realizing that vocabulary is huge. Now, I always knew it, but I started really understanding it. So in my world, and this is what I talk to people about all the time, in my world, there are only three choices. There's a good choice, a great choice, and a not so good choice. There are no bad choices. Also, you cannot cheat. There are only three ways to cheat. One is on your taxes, the other is on a test, and the third is on your significant other. Everything else is a choice. And you only have three of those. Good choices, great choices, not so good choices. And as I started putting those words into play, my um, not so good choices started having less impact because I realized, I recognized I could forgive myself. I could acknowledge what was really going on. I could learn from my lesson. I could learn the lesson of my choices and do something different the next time. Now, I'm not going to say that everything is all perfect and rosy and all that kind of stuff, because you know what? We are human. We live life. Things happen. A couple of weeks ago, it was not a very, very good week. It was not a very good weekend. And I finally just said, you know what? I'm going to make this choice to go ahead and buy a bag of Lay's barbecue potato chips and onion dip. And I'm going to sit down and I'm going to eat it. And I did. Did I feel better after I finished it? Well, no, not really. I said, okay, so what'd you get out of it? Well, you got out of it that this is what you chose to do. Are you going to choose to do that again? Probably not because I didn't get the same joy and pleasure that I used to get.
0: Yes. Yes. And I think exactly. It's having that awareness too, of when you make a decision, how you're feeling, as opposed to just repeating the same behavior and not reflecting. And I think for so many people, this is a struggle, like coming to that mindset. And you had mentioned that there were some thoughts and stuff that were coming up when you were going to those meetings. Do you think some of the things that were covered in those meetings helped you to come up with this different way of thinking or kind of how does does it all kind of tie together? Do you think?
1: Well, the, the things that, that were uncovered in going to the meeting helped me to understand that I wasn't alone and that my, um, my experience was not extremely unique, but it also helped to peel back the secretiveness because, you know, whenever we're involved in any kind of toxic environment, there's a layer of secretiveness where we can't let the outside world know what's really going on. We have to put on a facade. And so it was in those meetings that I was able to peel back the facade because I could see that other people were willing to peel back the facade. And it was in those meetings that I started understanding why certain um, people, events, occasions caused me a lot of tension and stress. And it was through that work, plus understanding that I could name my emotions, I could experience my emotions, I could sit in my emotions and not die, um, that I started being able to release certain people from my universe. And I I started calling it Move Them to Pluto, (laughs) I, they didn't need to be in my close orbit. You know, I could move them out to Pluto where on occasion they would pass me by and I'd go, "Oh, you know, there they are. But they were too far away to have any impact on my life anymore. And that was so critical um, to have to give myself permission to move people out of my immediate orbit where i no longer felt responsible or required or even required to be anything other than polite was liberating
0: i'm sure and I, I mean that's something that i think so many people struggle with in the sense of i think identifying even who those people are to some extent and then allowing themselves to make that decision so I would love if you're comfortable with it to kind of dive into more detail of what that looked like for you, how you made those decisions and how the cutting of the cords kind of worked or the. oh the, Yes. Know. Yes.
1: <laughs> um, well, there are bound to be some people in your life that when you're having a conversation with them, they do what I call hijack the conversation where yeah. you're trying to share with them something that's important or, you know, relevant or you're feeling whatever it is you're feeling I don't even care if it's about a shopping trip that you went on and you wanted to share you know your excitement over finding the perfect top okay they hijack the conversation they are listening to talk not listening to hear and there are times when you walk away from a conversation with those people where you feel drained and I started becoming aware of people that I was around that I was feeling drained. Um, there used to be a commercial on a cartoon commercial where you know the the energy monster that was draining the electricity and wasting electricity. There are people in our lives that are doing that. They're energy vampires. And so once I started identifying the energy vampires, the people that I was giving to constantly, and they were sucking everything out of me, but giving me nothing back, I started evaluating, do I really need them in my life? And as I started looking at that, I started asking myself questions, you know, what are they adding to my life? What am I adding to their life? And can I move forward just being polite? And more times than not, I would be able to say, no, they're not adding anything to my life. They're simply taking. And every time we are together, they're only looking at what they can get from me, you know, be it attention, whatever. Um, And they're not adding any value to my life. So, yes, I can be polite to them. And so I started simply being polite to those people. I wouldn't actively engage in any kind of conversation. Now, that doesn't mean that I would sit there and ignore them. No, we can be polite. You know, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing okay. But then you end the sentence there. If they offer something else, you respond. You end the sentence there. But you don't start giving them all this stuff so that they can then hijack the conversation and tell you that, you know, Their monster is bigger than your monster because who wants to get into a competition, right? And interestingly, some of those people that I moved out to Pluto, I'm related to. But it was liberating because I don't know if you've ever heard it, but sometimes we allow people to take up space in our minds without paying rent. And if you'll recall, I also said at the beginning, I didn't know, I didn't have boundaries. I didn't have a boundary with myself. I didn't have a boundary with other people. So I started putting up boundaries. And part of that boundary was how I talked to myself. You know, we dropped something. Oh my gosh, how can you be so stupid? No, I stopped all that kind of conversation. Oh my goodness, the plate was wet. It slipped out of your hand. You know, it it fell on the floor. We can clean it up. It's okay. Let's move forward. I stopped the negative talk towards myself. I started um, celebrating small wins Not waiting for somebody else to celebrate with me, for me, or anything else. I started celebrating my small wins. I started acknowledging when I felt sad. I started acknowledging when people that I was in conversations with were not hearing me. I started doing all that and building a solid boundary with myself. Because people are observing how you treat yourself. And if you say to them, you cannot speak to me that way, and in the next breath, you drop the plate and you say, oh, my gosh, how can I be so stupid? They're not going to hear your words. Actions speak louder than words. So once I started doing that and started moving the people out, I felt my boundaries getting more solid. And we can have close boundaries with some people and we can have far boundaries with some people. So some of those people I don't allow to come very close to me. And it's so much easier to live my life because I don't really, I'm not interested in what they are doing. And if they're interested in what I'm doing, you know, that's on them, but I'm not going to volunteer.
0: Yeah, and I love what you said about with creating the boundaries that it started with the boundaries with yourself, because I think everyone that's having a hard time with boundaries with other people probably is not dealing with what's happening with them, and that's why they can't seem to get over that hump. And that's absolutely true. You teach people how to treat you, and it is how you treat yourself. And I've honestly never heard anybody quite word it that way. And I think <laughs> that that is like really the the first like perfect step to creating a, an external boundary is is treating yourself the way that you should be treating yourself first and kind of the rest starts to happen naturally. And I am <laughs> curious, like, you know, with family, obviously is challenging because they're always going to be <laughs> life in a certain extent. And I don't know how close these people were to you, but were there any instances where a conversation had to be had or was it able to just kind of naturally take its course?
1: I just let it naturally take its course. So that when I went around those people, I, you know, went into knowing that I was going to be around those people, I would have a conversation with myself, okay, this is what you're expecting. This is uh, how you are going to choose to behave. This is, you know, how you're going to react, because let's face it, a lot of the people in our life, we already know what they're going to say, what they're going to do, and how we are going to react. And we have a choice. We have a choice. And another thing that I talk about in my book, You Can't Eat Love, is no one can make you anything except reservations for dinner. I love (laughs) (laughs) it. Because how often do we say so-and-so made me sad, so-and-so made me mad, so-and-so made me whatever? No, it's a choice. And remember, there are only good choices, great choices, and not-so-good choices, right? So somebody's actions, somebody's reaction, somebody's word towards you, you have zero control over them. You have 100% control over you. What they do, what they say, how you feel, how you feel as a consequence of what they did or what they said is 100% in your control. You can choose to feel sad. You can choose to feel mad. You can choose to feel whatever the heck it is you feel, excited, okay, happy. That's a choice. Keep your power don't give it away. No one can make you anything except reservations for dinner. Think about how much power you give to someone when you say you made me mad. Think about that. That's a lot of power you're giving away. So for me, being around the people that I recognized were not contributing to my life. And that's kind of how I looked at it. Are you really contributing to my life? I knew what they were going to say. I knew what they were going to do. I would kind of have a mini rehearsal in my mind. This is what I'm going to say. This is how I'm going to act. And then after I ended my encounter with them, I would celebrate myself. Look at what you did. Isn't that amazing? Look how good you feel as a consequence of having practiced and made those choices and then making certain that you were taking care of you.
0: Yeah. That's huge. I love that so much. And I guess obviously like now we're talking and you're like way down the path and (laughs) your, your boundaries are set. You're, you know, you did the self-work. What was that process like? Like how, how did you like, were people in your life aware that you were working on these things Were they just suddenly like, you're the new version of you, Like, kind of how was the transition period? Because that's obviously the hardest part.
1: Uh, Well, I made the choice to not tell anyone that I was going on the journey. And the reason that I made the choice to not tell anyone is I don't know about you, but you have the diet police showing up. You have the other police showing up. Plus, people in our lives don't like change. And, you you know, it's like um, two pieces of a puzzle that fit together. When you start making changes, you start changing the shape of the puzzle. So then the people around you, they have two choices. They can choose to adjust the size of their piece or they can go somewhere else and match up with another piece, but it creates tension when you start changing. And I discovered for me personally, that it was better if I didn't comment about the changes that I was making because I recognized the people around me didn't like change. Now, my husband, a couple of months in, he was like, I don't know what's going on. I'm not sure if I like it or not. Because when we start changing, when we start making different choices, we force the people in our lives to do something. They have to do something. And nothing is still doing something. When we choose to do nothing, we are still making a choice.
0: Yeah, that's very, very true. And I, I mean, I'm trying to think where to go next with this. (laughs) Um, what would you say? So obviously we talked about the toxic people and your diet journey to a certain extent, but I guess if you could kind of dive a little bit deeper, maybe into some of the thoughts, like, You mentioned with the like you would beat yourself up over something as small as like dropping a plate i don't know if that was just for the sake of an example or actually something that would run through your head but kind of just what what were like some examples of those thoughts and kind of like the rewiring that you did like examples of your thoughts now
1: but i mean those are true examples you know but in fact the other day what did i do oh i stumbled over a stick I was out walking and I stumbled over a stick. I said, oh my gosh, how could you be so clumsy? And I said, no, no, the stick was there. You weren't paying attention because you were thinking about something else. You were looking at the sky and you walked along and your one foot hit the stick and the other foot ran into the stick. And of course you ran into the stick. So so those thoughts still come up, but it's starting to catch them, starting to be aware. And that's what I started doing. And one of the things that helped me and it's something that I recommend to people. Um, I don't journal, don't tell me I journal. I write in notebooks. That's not journaling. (laughs) (laughs) Because I swore I would never be someone who journaled. Um, So I write in notebooks, but I started writing in notebooks and having conversations with myself. And this is where I discovered my very best friend in the whole wide world. And that's me because oftentimes Part of what we're struggling with is we're struggling to be heard by anyone. And so we keep talking and talking and talking. And we tend to pick people who um, either don't have the capacity or or, the, or don't have the willingness to hear what we are saying. And so we end up vomiting words and then they hijack the conversation and we walk away going, uh, what just happened? So what I started doing is writing in notebooks and having I now, now I have conversations with myself. So what I do is let's say, um, you know, the other day, I was feeling very, very angry about something that had happened. I had discovered, you know, that somebody was still talking, even after all these years, they were still talking in a very, very negative way about me, even though I have said maybe three sentences to them in four and a half years. Um, And I was extremely upset. So In the notebook, I'm writing down, I can't believe this, and and back and forth. And I've learned to say to myself, which is what I say to other people, I can only imagine how you're feeling. And of course, you feel that way. And I say that to myself. And I talk back to myself and back and forth. Because what I came to realize is I am always with me, even at two o'clock in the morning. I do not get tired of hearing the same complaint over and over and over again, whereas another person does. I am willing to listen. I am willing to give myself what it is that I am looking for, because how many times have you gone to someone where you're either wanting them to simply listen and they end up giving you advice or... The worst thing is they start telling you, well, this is what you should do. I'm on a campaign to eliminate that word from the vocabulary, from the dictionary. I've already got one person signed up. Anybody else that wants to join me? Because, <laughs> awesome, awesome. To me, the word should implies rules. And when we break rules, then we get shamed. So I never use the word should, would, or could when I'm talking with myself. Because I want, I want to be listened to with kindness and openness, and, and that's how I choose to listen to myself. So circling back, the best thing that I learned to do for myself was to have written conversations with myself. Why written as opposed to in your head? But think about it. When you start having those conversations in your head, they start spinning out of control, and they never go anywhere. And I visualize hamsters on wheels. So I'm also on a campaign to fire the hamsters on the wheels, send them back to the pet market, and put the pet market out of business. So write, have that conversation with yourself. Be kind to yourself because you know what it is that you're looking for and you can give that to yourself, which also circles back around to our boundaries. We cannot expect someone else to read our mind. But we can read our own mind and let's give to ourselves what it is that we are looking for. And then through that, that um, pouring into ourselves, we are able to give to others when we feel, when we believe that they are looking for what we have been looking for. And at those times, we can say to that person, of course you feel that way. Why wouldn't you?
0: Yes. That's such great advice. I love that so much. I, from when we were emailing back and forth and you had said that you can't read other people's minds, it's, I mean, it's one of the most obvious things ever, but how many of us walk around expecting that all day, every day? And we think we can read other people's minds, <laughs> but yes, it's absolutely so true. And like you said, giving ourselves and it comes back again to that self-love and self-worthiness of like giving yourself what you need. And that's really kind of like the, the starting point off point for all of these amazing things that you've been able to do. And speaking of those things, I would I know you've done all sorts of crazy life experiences, so I'd love for you to kind of get into all of that. Uh,
1: uh well, I guess the among the craziest things that I've done is back in 2014 um but started in 2013. Somebody asked me if I wanted to go to Africa. And I was at a uh, this was the beginning of you know the craziness in my life, and I said, "Sure, why not?" And I told my husband. He said, "Well, why are you going?" I said, "Well, why not?" <laughs> anyway, to make a very very long story very short. I had no clue where I was going. <laughs> I just knew that I was going to Africa. My husband was like, "You can't go because you know there are all these diseases and all this stuff and and everything going on, and you're going to get kidnapped and." I, I didn't want to tell them you're gonna to have to Google this, but it would be like the ransom of red chief. You know, they'd be calling him up saying, how much money do you want us to send her so that you send you so that you'll take her back. Um, <laughs> but uh, anyway, I went to Africa. Uh, I ended up riding an elephant. And if you see my Facebook page, that's me on the elephant and that's a hundred pounds of extra of me because, you know, Next time I ride an elephant in Africa, I'll replace the photo, but until then. But I also, um, I scuba dive, hot air balloon, um, and uh, let's see, my dog does agility. And, you know, why not? Why not? Life is too short. I developed this mantra about 20 years ago. I don't want to be 80 years old sitting on my front porch in my rocker saying that I wish I would have. Now, COVID put a giant squash on my plans, but you know what? We're out of that. I can start traveling and doing and, and having fun again. Um, just in case anybody thinks that I'm extra crazy, that's okay. But I took up heavy, heavy weightlifting and I deadlift. In fact, yesterday I deadlifted 225 pounds. Um, let's see, eight times. And to throw more into that, I will be 65 in August.
0: Wow. It's so impressive. And I love that because again, so many people are like, I'm too old to do this, that, and the other thing. It's like, we're never too old to do anything. And I love that you, your mantra about when you're 80 years old, not having any regrets or wishing you had done. And that was what, like roughly 15 ish years before like the self-love and weight loss journey. So Do you think that it all kind of spurred it on too? Cause you were kind of getting these experiences. Like what was kind of the impetus, I guess, for, for that mantra entering your life?
1: Um, it actually was the fact that I was turning, uh, 50 years old and our mother had died at 49. And I was looking at it because I I don't know about you, but I realized that I was doing, um, I was on the treadmill and I was trying to get off the treadmill, but then I got further onto the treadmill, (laughs) which is horrible Uh, because in 2014, I was actually working probably 60, 70, 80 hours a week. Uh, And I, I came to recognize I was sacrificing myself on the altar of everybody else. And that's not a good thing and you tend to lose your yourself. So I had established that mantra, but I wasn't living it. And so when all these events happened in 2015 and 2016, I kept being pulled back to that. And I started saying to myself, okay, if you don't wanna be 80 years old, sitting in your rocking chair on your front porch saying you wish you would have, what is it that you need to do so that that can be real? Because I didn't want to be um, unable. And so I wasn't even 60 years old. I was, let's say I was 58 when I started on the journey and now I'm, I'm, I'll be 65 in August, but you're correct. It is not too late. The only time it's too late is when you decide it's too late. So if you have even an inkling that you want to begin to live your very, very best life, then I recommend that you sit down with pen and paper And you visualize everything about yourself a year from now. You visualize where you are, how you're feeling, how you look, how you're living, the choices you're making, all that stuff a year from now. And then you write a letter to your current self and thank your current self and express gratitude and admiration and love to your current self for everything that your current self did so that your future self a year from now is living all those dreams that your current self has. And then put that letter in a safe place. Don't do what I did. So I recommend that you put a reminder in your phone from a year from now and include the safe place you put the letter in. And when that reminder goes off in a year from now, you read the safe place you put the letter in and then you get it out and read it and see how much of it's come true.
0: Yes, I love that. And I think so much of it is just being honest with ourselves too, about what it is we do want, which was going to be another question I wanted to ask you is I think so many people are like, yeah, this isn't it, but like, I don't know what it is. (laughs) Like, I don't know how to know what it is that I want. And like, if you have any tips or have any parts of your story of how you really were able to figure out what you wanted to lean into.
1: Well, Uh, What I wanted to lean into what I wanted to feel was I wanted to feel happy and I started looking at okay what are the things that that I do and I feel happy when I'm doing them remember no one can make you anything so stuff can't make you anything either. And I started listing and looking at, you know, when I do this, I feel happy. When I do this, I feel happy. And I also recognized that I wanted to feel strong. So that's why I do you know the, the lifting, because I want to feel strong. I want to be able to get my body where I want my body to go. I want to experience the world. So I just started asking myself questions. You feel happy when you are blank. Not this makes me happy because remember, nothing can make you happy, you can only make reservations for dinner. Um, so I get I always ask myself that question What are you doing today that you are happy that you're doing it? What is going on that you're happy? So let's start looking at what is it you want to feel, what is it you want to experience? Dream, you know, the best thing about dreaming is there is no limit. If you believe that, or if you desire, you dream that you want to go to Mars, okay, I want to go to Mars. What are the steps that you need to take so that you can get to Mars? You want to travel the world. What are the steps? What are the things that you need to take so that you can travel the world and start living those things? Come up with your own mantra. When you're 80 years old, you don't want to fill in the blanks and believe in yourself. Here's, here's the other thing. I came to understand. I'm sure you've flown a lot. I've flown a lot. um, On the airplane, you know, they come out with their story about buckle your seatbelt and do all this stuff. The oxygen mask. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oxygen mask. And they say, put it on yourself before you help anybody else. But here's the problem that a lot of people have, especially if you've got a lot of toxic people and toxic stuff in your life You are running around chasing people with oxygen masks and you're running out of air because when that plane's at altitude and it loses pressure, you've got 30 seconds to get that oxygen mask on. That's not a lot of time. And if you're busy putting it on everybody else, you're going to run out of oxygen. The plane's going to land. You're going to be laid out in the middle of the aisle. The people are going to get off. They're going to step over you and they're going to say, there's that nice person who helped me. And where are you going to be? So start looking at your life. Who am I chasing around with an oxygen mask? And oftentimes, we are chasing people who do not need any help putting on an oxygen mask because they've already done it for themselves. And how much time are we wasting? How much time are we wasting? And how many aisles are we laid out in? And how many people are stepping over us?
0: It's true. A great image <laughs> <in reference laughs> that I think we can all very easily picture. And it's so true. It's so true. Well, I would love to kind of talk about. We, I know you don't journal, but you're, you're writing in notebooks, we know supports you. What other kinds of habits and things like that are part of your everyday that you think really help to keep you in this state of mind and feeling really empowered to maintain your boundaries and everything?
1: My, my morning time that I've developed, I call it my gardening time, um, and I get up very early in the morning so that I can have that quiet time before the day starts and the dogs are all quiet at that hour. And I read from um, three inspirational journals, three inspirational books, uh, because I love quotes, And I also love inspiration. And I believe that what we fill our minds with is what fills our hearts. And that's what comes out of our mouths. So I want to start my day off with filling my mind with inspirational words. And then I have a devotional that I read every day. Um, And then after that, I read at least two passages in the Bible. I read one Psalm. I read one proverb. There are 31 proverbs. So I read the proverb for the day, quote unquote. Um, and then I read um, a chapter in the Bible, and then I write three pages in my notebook every day. I have a conversation with myself at the beginning of the day every day. Sometimes, because you know, different things come up, I will have conversations with myself in the middle of the day, but I always start my day off having a conversation with myself.
0: I love that. Those are great tips. I love, I feel like reading in the morning for so many people probably sounds like, oh my God, I could never do that. Like reading seems like such a luxury, I feel like to most people, but I think it's one of those, like you said, just starting your day off with something positive that makes you feel good. Other than like turning on the news, like how many people are consuming that instead. So like, what a great way, even if it's five minutes of reading a book, like they can make you feel really motivated, inspired. That's such a great way to start the day.
1: Well, and sometimes I will even um, have a, a a book that I'm interested in reading, and I'll read a chapter of that or ten pages of that. But I circle back to you know what we fill our minds with is what we fill our hearts with is what we come comes out of our mouths. And you're right, you know, if we start our day off consuming the news, which you want to talk about toxic, holy cow! Um, I, I've watched more hours of the Weather Channel. <laughs> in the past couple of years than I ever have in my whole life because I just can't handle it. Um, And it's not that I'm uninformed because I'm not uninformed. I just choose to get my news another way. Uh, But it is so important because you can realize and also you have to detox yourself from the news because you can observe how tense your body gets and how quickly your anger rises when you're allowing that stuff to be poured into you. And let's circle back to this. You can only control you. You cannot control anyone else and no one can make you anything. So why are we allowing something that we have absolutely no control over? And is it going to help us make decisions about our day, about our government, about our anything? Is it going to help us make a decision why are we allowing that to
0: come into our life? Absolutely agree. Absolutely agree. I feel like with COVID, it all got really out of control. (laughs) So definitely, yes. starting with a book is definitely a better way to go.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Balance, you know, a little balance.
0: Exactly. (laughs) Well, I feel like I could just chat with you forever, but I know we only have so much time and this, I mean, we've Touched on it so much throughout the episode, but I ask every guest at the end of um, our discussion, what is one toxic thing that you have released that's had a major impact? So we might already know the answer, but <laughs> just. Uh,
1: well, the one toxic thing that I released was people that were not serving me and helping me be the best version of myself. They were taking more than they were giving. Um, that and also releasing my belief that I was not enough because that was a belief that I did have.
0: Yes, that's huge. Well, thank you so much. This was such a great conversation and I'm sure everyone who listens will get a ton out of it. And I would love for you to just share. How people can connect with you, information about your book, and we'll we'll link up to all of that in the show notes as well.
1: Well, this has been such a fun conversation, Nicole, and I could talk to you forever. And you know, you had my dream job, so I'm just so jealous. (laughs) Um, Anyway, the best way to find anything about me is to go to the website youcanteatlove.com, and you can find links to connect with me. You can find links to the book. Um, And anything that you want to know about me is right there. And if you do reach out, I will answer. I've had people say, oh, you're a real person. Yes, I'm very real. I am very real. And if I might, I would just like to say to your listeners, you are enough. And if you don't believe you are, I will believe it for you until you're able to believe it for yourself
0: thank you so much i love that i believe you're enough too and what a great note to land on thank you so much for being here
1: oh well thank you
0: that one was such a good one i love leslie's like little one-liners so let me share the takeaways number one community can help you feel less alone learn about yourself and your thoughts and peel back the layers of secrecy and shame Number two, allowing yourself permission to make mistakes is the key to change and self-acceptance. Number three, vocabulary matters. Decisions aren't quote unquote bad, people can't quote unquote make you do or feel anything and we're ditching the word should. Number four, boundaries start with the boundaries you make with yourself. You teach people to treat you by the way you treat yourself number five ditch the energy vampires if someone is not contributing to your life and sucking you dry you can choose to create distance from them and just be polite number six no one can make you do anything it's a choice the only thing you can control in every situation is the way you react number seven we can't expect someone else to read our minds we can only read our own mind and give ourselves what we need number eight the way to determine what you want to do is to think about how you want to feel and really dream about how you can experience that feeling. Once you know what you want, determine the steps to achieve it and get started. And number nine, you're never too old to make a change and start living the life you desire. I hope you guys enjoyed this much this episode as much as I did. I would love to hear what you think about it. You can reach out to me on Instagram at the.detox.diaries. And as always, if you're enjoying the show, I would so, so, so appreciate a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or you sharing it with a friend. Either way, those are great ways to support the show and get more people listening. So thank you again for being here and I will see you on the next one. Bye.